0: Hello, America, welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where it's time to have a conversation about borders and crime. Both are becoming massive issues in the 2022 election. You saw what just happened in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, where a Republican won for the first time in over 150 years, really since the end of the Civil War. There hadn't been a Republican in that congressional district. A remarkable uh, statement from the people of Texas that they're tired of open borders. And that was clearly the message, as well as many of the other things that Democrats have brought in. Inflation, high gas prices, high food prices, food shortages, baby formula shortages, leaving Afghanistan in shame instead of with our head held high and our strategic interests preserved. It is a lot of issues, but the borders become one of them. And we just had these extraordinary new numbers released for May, nearly 240,000 illegal migrants cross the border in May alone that have been interdicted, met with Customs and Border Patrol, 15 of them were people on known terrorist watch lists, the FBI terrorist watch list, the highest number for both of those statistics, the 240,000 and the 15. We have the perfect guest to talk about that today, Mark Morgan. He's the former chief of the agency that protected the border under Donald Trump. Did such a good job in those years. Remember, border crossings were down to historic lows. He's joining us, the former chair, commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection Agency, Mark Morgan first. And then we're going to take a little bit of a wander into the world of ethics. Why? is that ethics matter a lot when you take a look at what's going on in Congress. Michael Chamberlain, who started a brand new group that is doing some great work on monitoring the ethics and the financial conflicts and the conflicts of interest, all the things that we saw in the Hunter Biden matter back in 2016 when Joe Biden was still vice president. Michael Chamberlain's here. His new group is doing some fantastic work. And we're going to talk about something that we just found out about in the last few days, and that is that the energy secretary does not want to give us, the American people, the number of tax dollars spent on sending administration officials to the UN Climate Conference. We're going to talk to Michael Chamberlain about that, and that is going to be a good discussion. So back to back, really great discussions today. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll have those stories for you right after this. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always glad to have this next guest on. He gives us the border straight. We know what's really going on at the border, despite what the media is reporting, because we have good friends like Mark Morgan, the former commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection Agency. Mark, good to have you back on the show, sir. John, thanks for having me as always. The numbers can't get any worse. I keep saying every month, and then they get worse. May, almost 240,000, the 15 people with known terrorist eyes uh, that also were caught. Uh, your assessment of the border after the May statistics.
1: Yeah, so think about what you said, John. So, uh, so May was the highest monthly total on record. and. The month before that was the highest monthly total on record. The month before that was the highest, right? We could keep going on and on. Right now, 1.5 million encounters thus far. We still have four months to go in this fiscal year. At this pace, you're going to look at 2.5 million encounters, shattering any record in our lifetime, John. But another stat that this administration refused to talk about because they know it's detrimental to their open-border narratives is the number of gotaways, those that have evaded apprehension. That number, known gotaways, in, is in excess of 800,000. If you ask most Border Patrol agents, they'll say that number is well over a million. There are nine states, nine separate states in this country, John, that actually have a, a million or less uh, citizens in its entire state, and more than that got away so far under this administration.
0: It's mind-boggling to hear that statistic. And and the people who are the gotaways are the people that were really trying to sneak in without any being caught. And so they probably have some pretty significant ill intent. I know that worries you a lot. There's a new report out today. It just came out from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Republicans. So it's chaired by Jim Risch, and it's got Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, some pretty heavy hitters in the Senate. And their primary conclusion is that the biggest beneficiary of President uh, Biden's uh, open borders policy is the transcontinental, uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh let me get this right here. Transnational, get right here. Transnational yep. criminal organizations like the cartels, the, the smugglers. The idea that a Senate uh, committee has to put that out there to try to shake the Biden administration to action. Uh, your reaction to that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's just unconscionable. Again, they're happy to do that because this, this administration is lying to the American people and they're hiding the truth, reality, and fact. Look, Transnational. They call the cartels transnational for a reason. They don't just operate in Mexico. That's another fallacy. They're here in the United States. They're in the Northern Triangle countries. They're in other parts of the world, and they do that. It's an effective transnational organization. I, I say that the cartels you know, could, could, could teach a business school at Yale at Harvard for resiliency and flexibility. I mean, they can change their tactics, techniques, and procedures on a dime to continue to exploit the gaps that's produced, especially by this administration right now. Let me give you an example. So so just the smuggling alone, not not even the drugs, just the smuggling alone, at this pace, we're looking at about 8 to, to 10 million illegal aliens that will uh, be encountered and, and the majority of them released or gotten away in the United States under the first four years of this administration. You, you average about $8,000 per person. That's $96 billion, with a B, $96 billion, John, to the hands of the cartels. That's more than the GDP of, of Guatemala and Honduras combined, and that's only – dealing with smuggling. We haven't even talked about the profit they get from the drugs coming across. And and, and John, look, we we need to continue to talk about the national security threat you brought up as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's scary, right? If you have 15, so if you have 15 people on the FBI terrorism watch list uh, caught on a single month, that's an all-time record, people tell me, Uh, and you know that there was a plot recently to assassinate George W. Bush that relied on bringing illegal aliens across the border to carry it out. Uh, we know that one known terrorist got into the country and there was a mad scramble by the FBI to find that person, uh, after they left, it seems as though we're a sitting duck uh, that our security is worse than pre nine 11.
1: Yeah. So look, I, I hope the listeners are, are really taking notes right now. If, if anything, if, if, if the drugs point in isn't enough, if the gotaways and the criminals come point in, isn't enough, but, um, think about just the national security vulnerability you just described in the last few weeks suspected terrorist release Look, 15 in the month of may on the fbi's terror screening database but it's well in excess of 50 under uh, this administration and then of course the fbi thwarted attack and how are they going to do that they were going to bring in additional terrorists through the wide open southwest border now put that under the umbrella of the 800,000 So if this if this national security vulnerability that we know about that we've apprehended, but after 20 years in the FBI, John, look, my worry is is the next terrorist attack is already here being planned in the United States and they got in through that eight hundred thousand gotaways because this administration has opened our borders wide open and handed operational control over borders to the cartels. It
0: is a frightening thought, but you I hear this from the frontline men and women of C P P every day. They just have this fear that the bad people have already gotten in the country. One of the downstream consequences of the crush of people who are coming in and being encountered, I mean, they're willingly encountering a custom border patrol agent trying to seek asylum is that we've pulled all these border agents off of the patrols off the border. And they're all basically running concierge services for the quarter million people coming in each month. That's got to mean there are super large gaps in the surveillance system that didn't exist a couple of years ago. Right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, I was just, you know, a few weeks ago, I was down the border, I was talking to one of the, the, the chief patrol agents of one of the sectors, uh, just had a conversation with the president of the Border Patrol National Council, Brandon Judd, and what they're saying is, at any given time, John, 80 to 90 percent, 80 to 90 percent of agents are off do off the line doing what we call administrative duties, hospital watch, detention, transportation, or processing. They're completely off the border. That means the large areas of our southwest border John, are wide open, unpatrolled, unmonitored, unsecured. Literally, those areas, we have handed operational control over the cartels to exploit. So it's not a surprise that, that we have 800,000 Uh, known gotaways. Again, we we believe that's well in in excess of the total gotaways. Uh, Again, shattering all records, right? Every single record that we have is shattered, not just the number of encounters, the number of those encountered on the FBI's terror screening database, the number of gotaways. I mean, we keep going on and on forever. That's the reality. And that's why the Border Patrol is so frustrated, because they know that this administration's policies have taken away literally their ability to to secure the border because they've taken them off the line, as you said, to basically be a concierge service for the illegal aliens.
0: Yeah, it's really scary. Now, I, I was reading through this Senate report, and there's an interesting tactic that the Biden administration just simply hasn't used. I know it's been leveraged before. The Trump administration used this very effectively, particularly going after the drug cartels, but one of its recommendations, the unutilized tool that could slow this down, is a recommendation that they leverage existing bilateral extradition treaties to prosecute the transnational criminal actors that are facilitating the illegal mig- migration. So treat the illegal migrant traffickers like we treat the drug traffickers, get the heads of these cartels that are doing it, and, uh, uh, and prosecute them and send a message, hey, there's a cost to bringing these human bodies across the, uh, the border. Uh, you like that strategy?
1: Yeah, look, this is what I always say, like, like any successful strategy, uh, the, the, the government uh, And you know Kind of facilitates Is it's got to be multi layer Right So so it's not just One thing And then we're done I mean that, that's a debate With uh, the uh, reducing Mass shootings Right So they want to Boil it down To talking points And political action And say okay We do this one thing This magic bullet Then it's going to Prevent all the mass shootings Well that's just not correct And I right. say It's the same thing With this problem Is hey look First let's secure the border That's one thing That we have to do And we've provided Congress with a roadmap This a coalition letter Of what they need to do secure the border and stem the flow of illegal immigration, which increases our ability to secure the border. But John, in addition to that, we don't stop there. So you're right, we have to more effectively target the cartels. The quote, war on drugs for decades, it's been a colossal failure. Look, I was in the FBI for over twenty decades. Look, there are many uh, law enforcement entities in the countries that have these centers of excellence, but they're siloed. So what we need to do, I think, is get together with the same commitment and whole of government approach that we use targeting terrorists. We need to use that same approach to target the criminal cartels, those transnational organizations. If we do it the same way, the same structure, the same commitment, the same will and courage, we can have the same level of impact, in my opinion, of the transnational cartels as we do with the terrorist organizations.
0: Yeah, it seems to be so important an unleveraged uh, tool that can be there. Of course, it starts with getting some control of the border operationally, getting the CPB officers, uh, CBB officers, back to being yep. on the front lines, not playing hotel concierge. The um, the other thing that I, I keep hearing, and we just had Sheriff Lamb on from Pinal County, great guy, great voice for the uh, the front line men and women of law enforcement on the border. He said that the the number of fentanyl drugs he's intercepting in his county. Uh, I think he said there were 1,500 pills in in, uh, 2018. They just had 500,000 pills in a single bus last week. And he says they're running into multi-millions of pills. Now, this is just in one county in America. Uh, Mary Miller, Congresswoman from Illinois, said that the fentanyl crisis has killed enough people that it should be declared a chemical terrorist attack. Fentanyl is a really big deal, and yet you hardly see any mention of it in the media.
1: Yeah, that's like, right, because it doesn't fit into their open border narrative, John. I mean, look, you, you can't draw, in my opinion, and based on my experience and what we're hearing, you can't draw any other conclusion. Look, I was just in Nashville recently, and, and I was there for another grassroots event, and I was in the hotel room. I was working on a document, and the, the local news came on, and they did like the seven, eight segment on the fentanyl uh, crisis in Nashville and the public health crisis that is created, et cetera. It went on for quite a long time, and guess what they didn't mention? They didn't mention the southwest border. Unbelievable. They didn't mention the entry point for all of it. Per, it. Exactly, John. That's the problem, is that when there's a fentanyl poisoning, a fentanyl overdose somewhere in the United States, um, is that we, we talk about this fentanyl epidemic. We talk about it as it, it, this public health crisis, as this horrible. We talk about all the fentanyl in the country that killed, could kill every American citizen a couple times over. Right. But we never mention the fact that it comes from the southwest border. And look, that's so. It's partly, I think, by design by by this by this administration, but it's also partly because people just aren't educated, not aware that that where the drug is coming from and why we keep saying that this is about border security. And and look, if you if you can't stop illegal immigration because illegal immigration goes up, our ability to effectively secure the border goes down. They're interconnected. They're not mutually exclusive. That's why this is about border security.
2: Wow.
0: It's, it's just unbelievable when, when you hear a story being reported, and the, the most central source of how this crisis began gets extracted every day from that reporting. It leaves people in the dark, and a lot of times, the Sheriff Lamb uh, said this to us yesterday, and said, I didn't appreciate this until he said it. Uh, we keep calling these overdoses, but a lot of cases... These really aren't overdose. These are people taking their very first pill. They think they bought a Xanax or something else, and then they find out it's a cheap fentanyl with a lethal load in it. Um, How much education do we have to do for people to realize that it might just take one pill to add you to that list of 100,000 people that died last year?
1: Yeah. So first of all, he's after. I start flying. I know him well. He's a good man, a good sheriff. And it's right. It's what we we we've transitioned to start calling these what they are. They're poisoning. A 15-year-old daughter, uh, good kid, uh, a, a normal kid is at a party somebody says hey you're feeling down you, you know 15 year old motions go up like a roller coaster right and they say here's this percocet and they take it, it's lace with fentanyl they didn't know and they die. that's a poison that's not an overdose or not a drug addict it wasn't intentional right. that's what we're happening and a lot of youth is being killed because of this poisoning look it, it, and again I'll, I'll go back to multi-layer strategy is there more education and more awareness of, of the youth yeah i think that's important and we, we need to look at that but let's remember there's been lots of campaigns remember the campaign." just say no to drugs, it didn't work, right? If, if you if you look at just a message alone, right? It doesn't work when it's just a message alone. It's like right now the Secretary of America says in, in in a hearing, "Oh no, please, migrants, do not come. It's dangerous." <laughs> but every single one of his policies yeah. says, the opposite, says, "Please right? come." Yeah, right. Please. So so the, the same thing. So so we're telling we're telling the kids, "Hey, be careful what you're taking. It could be laced with fentanyl." Meanwhile, we're allowing ninety five percent of the fentanyl to come through a wide open Southwest border. So if we were really serious about it. If, if this government, if this administration was really serious about protecting the youth and protecting Americans from dying from drug overdoses, the first thing they would do is secure a border and stop the supply from becoming readily available to these individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah no doubt. There's no doubt about it. It's an extraordinary crisis, and I suspect we'll, we'll set a new record for fentanyl overdoses this year, which will, will be another sad legacy of this. There is a narrative that the media and the uh, the left that has opened these border policies up uh, uses, which is we're trying to be humanitarian. We're trying to be good yeah. to these people. But the truth of the matter is the journey from whatever country they're coming from to our border is fraught with unbelievable criminal activity, rape, uh, extortion, uh, large amounts of money. It seems to me that this is a very inhumane way to get to the United States. How bad for a, particularly a female uh, immigrant trying to come to the United States, how bad is the path here? How inhumane is the path here?
1: John, first of all, this is why I love talking to you because you're very well, well informed. And this is a narrative that that that. I, well, I get fired up over all, but I really get fired uh, uh, up over this because of the blatant lies they're being told American people. If I hear Secretary America say one more time that what they're developing is a safe, orderly, and humane process, I mean, I, I, I'm just – I'm going to lose my mind, John, honestly. Because, <laughs> Understandably. Right? It's because it's, cause it's not true, Right. right? right? It's not true, and it, it's beyond not true. It's a, it's an intentional, blatant, knowing lie, and he knows it right now under his watch. They, they, the border patrol and and local sheriff's departments along the border have found more dead migrants than any other time and record, and they're not reporting. They stop reporting. The, the 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 recoveries last fall. So so it's it's the the math is fuzzy, but it's at least well over 700 dead migrants. The number of rescues that border patrol has executed has has, has almost tripled what they were in previous years. It's over 20,000 rescues. That 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 had they not been there, risk of their own lives, more migrants would have been dead. As you talked about the journey, independent reporting, non-governmental reporting says up to 30% of young women uh, on their journey are raped and sexually abused. We have cartels, smugglers, and sometimes even parents giving giving young girls a a morning after pills and birth control pills because they're expecting that they're going to get raped on the journey. And we haven't even talked about the atrocities associated with trafficking. And again, you don't have to be a border security expert or rocket scientist to know if you increase Illegal immigration by 400%. You've just increased 400% the number of women being sexually assaulted and raped. 400% those being uh, uh, subjected to trafficking. And, and we haven't even talked about the conditions that are kept in. The overcrowded, unsanitary stash houses are shoved in tractor trailers. Right now in summer heat, they can get up to 140 degrees inside, and migrants have died. I mean, John, we can yep.
0: keep going on they're and really on. It's really boil to death. Day. Yeah.
1: I, the most, that's right. The most inhumane thing we can do for the migrants themselves is have open borders where they literally turn their lives over the hands of the disgusting, despicable cartels and smugglers. That's another lie that they're telling the American people.
0: Yeah, it's so shameful. And, and uh, they never have to look in the eyes of that daughter that got raped or that that's father right. who lost her son in a, in a 140 degree uh, truck where they were locked for two or three days. Very, very John, scary.
1: John, if, if I can, the, 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 just to give you an example of what the cartels do, So they'll have a group of 15 or 20. If somebody can't keep up, well, you, you think they call life flight? You think they call medical attention? I, I mean, right? It's a joke. No, they say, here's a gallon of water. Good luck. And they take off. Yep. And the, it, we've actually found individuals that, that just, there's just skeletal remains of where they died from dehydration and exposure and just withered away. That happens on a regular basis. But yet, have you heard one mention of that from the mainstream, media of this administration?
0: zero none zero zip it's unbelievable it's very frightening yep. to think that uh this gets ignored like the fentanyl crisis it's the true consequences of the open border it, it literally debunks everything that uh is is bantied about every day in the media and in washington dc all right yep. so we've depressed everybody because it keeps getting worse there's no other way to say it um there's going to be a moment if republicans take control next year that they'll be able to leverage the power of the purse string. Obviously. Joe Biden's going to need money to run the government. He's going to have to do some sort of deal if Republicans have at least one of the chambers of Congress. What's the most important thing that a new Congress can do with a Democratic president who's set in this policy to try to change the dynamic, tighten it up, make us safer? I
1: I think I think they have to do what you just said is they've got to. Look, the the reality is, even if they take back uh, the the, the House um, and and the Senate, they're still going to be limited. Right. The president still has a veto power. And so they've really got to use the power of the purse, as you said, the appropriations law. But but look, John, I am I'm I'm, uh, I'm skeptical, to be honest, even of the Republicans, because to do so is going to going to take will, will courage. And strength. I mean, literally, they're going to have to say, nope, we're not funding your government operation, uh, President Biden. We're not doing it until you secure the border, until you stop the drugs from pouring in the country, killing 100,000 Americans, leading cause of death, 18 to 45-year-olds is fentanyl. 95% of fentanyl comes from the southwest border, 800,000 gotaways. And we know among the 800,000 gotaways are criminals, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, gang members. And we also know there's an increase our national security vulnerability because of your open border policies. So, no, this is real. It's killing Americans. It's jeopardizing our national security. So you're going to secure the borders or we're done. We're going to shut down the government until you secure the borders. Um, but I, I'm i skeptical, John, that they're going to have the, they the have will.
0: Yeah, they haven't yep. shown it in the past. I mean, that's been they the problem. Them. Yeah, and that's why Joe Biden feels so emboldened. He knows there's not a check on this. Uh, or a checkmate strategy by the other side. And uh, it, the, the the toll of victims is going to get larger and louder every day. It's, it's just remarkable. Mark, um, how do people follow all the great work you're doing? I mean, you're such an important voice. You're one of the most trusted voices on this issue. What's the best way to stay in touch with all the good stuff you're doing? Through through
1: the Heritage Foundation or their website, they put out a, a ton of information, Don. It's, it's one of the, the missions you're doing is just educating and making people more aware through the fact, truth, and reality. Uh, Heritage does, does a great job at that. Um, going forward. So I really recommend to people, if they really are concerned about what's happening with the open borders, they really want to educate themselves, push out the noise, push out the lies. It's a great place to go to, to get the truth.
0: Absolutely. It sure is. It's uh, one of the best resources there is. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for today. This is a, the sort of straight talk people need to hear because they're not getting it on their nightly newscast. That's for sure. Uh, that's really, right. really grateful as always, when you come on the show. Thanks, John. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. they're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS one more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home.
3: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You know, when Joe Biden took office, particularly in the aftermath of all the scandal involving his son, Hunter Biden, which, by the way, there was a lot of hidden stuff. It took us a long time with the laptop and FOIA lawsuits to find the truth. Well, he promised to be the most transparent president in history. And guess what? It ain't happening. You can't get basic things. Uh, we at Just the News have had to sue for so many things that used to be considered public records. And our next guest, well, he's fighting every day to get you transparency. And he's got a brand new lawsuit you won't believe what the Biden administration is trying to hide. Joining us now, the founder of Protect the Public Stress, Michael Chan chamberlain michael great to have you on the show it's great to be back john thank you very much you have done such great work people know i mean it's hard to believe you've only been in business what about 18 months or so right
3: a little over a year. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're closing in on 18 months here pretty soon.
0: Unbelievable. The, the impact you have. Everybody knows the historic work you did on Jen Psaki and the possible conflict of interest courting MSNBC while she was still the press secretary. Uh, but you've got a new one today. You filed a lawsuit against the energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. Tell us what they don't want to give up at the energy department.
3: Well, last year in, in October, November, there was a U.N. climate conference. They, they named it the, the COP26 conference. And several agencies in the federal government sent their secretaries, uh, directors, and, and other staff to the, to attend the conference, Department of Energy being one of them. Secretary Granholm attended, and she gave a, a an address at the, the conference. And so our organization was looking into how many, how much funding and how many resources were devoted to send staff overseas? And another part of the question was, we wanted to see the, the telework agreements of the people who had gone overseas. Were they teleworking at home but then flew to Scotland? And what a great question. And attending an in-person <laughs> conference? Yeah. Uh, so that was part of the, the response that we were looking for as well, the documents that we were looking for. So we filed these shortly after the conference ended back in in November. We've received documents from a, a few of the the agencies that we've requested them from uh, Department of Energy though we've we had some problems getting any of the documents getting any of the the records that we requested from them. In fact, we had some some emails with them with our staff confirming the the details of the the request. And you know how this goes, John, you send in a request and they they want to get the narrowing or, or try to make sure that they can find the records that you're looking for. So we had some conversations with them. And so in April, they came back to us and said, we should have, we're expecting to have some documents, the first batch by the end of this month, and then some more in May. Well, here it is now the middle of June and we've received nothing and we've received no, even after we've reached back out to them, we've received no correspondence from them. So we have filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit because in, in our view, the way that they've behaved in this, in addressing this, that seems to be the only way that we're going to get the records from them.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, this is basic stuff, right? They're spending taxpayers' dollars they're giving advantages to federal workers to work from home, and the pandemic was waning at that point. Mm-hmm. These are legitimate uh, questions that in any other era of government, and I know because I've been around for 35 years in Washington, they probably wouldn't be fighting this. There'd be a response and a recognition that this is information that the public is owed. Uh, there seems to be this uh, philosophy, and in, in, in not just the Energy Department. Uh, uh, You have done some great work. I did some original work on Secretary of Interior Deb Holland, who uh, clearly had a hard time just filling out a basic financial disclosure form. Would not give us the honesty and accuracy that is required of that form. She had amended at least two or three times, as I recall. But I think Mm -hmm. just a couple of days ago the Interior Secretary ordered the removal of the department's litigation transparency website. This is a really important thing because it's something that gave us visibility when a government, when the U.S. government makes a settlement, sometimes they they take the proceeds. Instead of giving it back to the taxpayers and reduce, reduce our deficit, but that would be a unique concept, or lower the budget <laughs> debt, they, yes. they go and give it to a third-party liberal group. At least we got transparency on that, but Deb Holland, she made that disappear, didn't she?
3: She made that disappear, and they took the website down. And not only that, John, during the Trump administration, they changed – the Department of the Interior changed some of the rules that would kind of limit what they call sue and settle lawsuits. So what can happen – and this can happen no matter what party is in power. The Interior Department can make a land determination, and then a different administration comes in, and they may want to change that but it could be difficult to get that through Congress. It could be difficult to get that through the legislative or the regulatory process. So what can happen is an allied group can sue the department. And then the department, they can get into these negotiations behind closed doors without the taxpayers being supposedly being represented by the department, but not being at the table during these negotiations. And what they'll do is they'll just settle for what they wanted to do anyway which is to give this group what they wanted, which is what the department wanted to do in the first place. And that way they can get through the, achieve through the courts what they weren't able to do through the regular process. They can make an end run around the legislative and regulatory process and leave the people's representatives out of that. And in addition, they can enter into part of the settlement is they'll pay these groups' attorney's fees and they'll pay them sums of money. So the group that sues, To get done what the department had wanted to do, they not only get what they want as well, but they also get paid to do that on the other hand. And so uh, there were some rules that were put in place a few years ago that that would limit this and keep the process out in the open so people could see it and also restrict what the department could do where they had to have a legal basis for any of the settlements that they made. Uh, They reversed that last week. The Department of the Interior did. And so this can open up a whole area for collusion between groups that are interested in land use, whether they're environmental groups or um, free market-type groups, and they can collude with an allied administration and make these things happen behind closed doors where the taxpayers don't have a seat at the table.
0: It's just unreal. I mean, and, and in an era when we don't need to be funding uh, outside nonprofits Uh, we could take some of this money, maybe pay down the debts and deficit and crazy spending that we've been doling out. But instead we get these third parties and I've done some work on this. I did the original projects back in 2010, 2011 that looked at these donor directed, uh, what I call donor directed grant Mm -hmm. awards, because they're basically uh, an oil company or usually it's an environmental case. They take, uh, uh, they settle before they go to trial And then the money from the settlement goes to a liberal advocacy group. They're almost always liberal advocacy groups. Um, The money would be better spent if we just put it back in the treasury and started paying our bills, but this has been going on. Now we're losing transparency. If it wasn't for Michael's group, we wouldn't know that you're doing such important things. I wanna take you to another nonprofit that uh, you guys put a a light on in the last few weeks. Again, doing amazing work. every day uh, at the mm-hmm. public's trust um there is a health and human services official who came from uh, used to be the director of the norway-based coalition for epidemic preparedness innovation so this is one of those uh, mm-hmm. pandemic groups um the official came here in january 2021 starts working at hhs and then i think her name is dawn o'connell uh, now, the mm-hmm. president is proposing giving that very group that she used to work at, CEPI, not not a small chunk of change, a half billion dollars in the 2023 budget. And by the way, this isn't a competitively bid contract. This is just a targeted grant to this group to go create affordable COVID-19 vaccines. Interesting, since we already paid for a lot of COVID-19 vaccines. Um, why does this smell like a sweetheart deal to me, Michael? Well,
3: This is the... That what people fear about the revolving door personified, John. So this official worked in the Obama administration at the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, when, after the Obama administration changed, she she went to work for Seppi, the, the organization that you referenced. We call it by the, the acronym, which everybody calls things by
0: acronyms here. They in- do. It's an so. alphabet soup city, isn't
3: it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> So she went to work for this group, which, by the way, is a Norwegian-based organization. She, and while she was working for that Norway, Norway-based organization, she lobbied the USAID, the United States uh, Agency for International Development. And then when the Biden administration took over, she came back to work in the administration, and she became the one of the assistant secretaries for at the Department of Health and Human Services. And by the way, her office would be the one that would normally that this grant that she would have been would would have been over. But but uh, this grant wasn't offered through HHS, but kind of to make the tie the loop back around from USAID. So this money, which is proposed in the Biden administration's 2023 budget proposes a half a billion dollars to go to this organization that the former Obama and current Biden administration official worked for during the interim uh, between those two administrations. It doesn't appear as, as you say, John, it doesn't appear that there was any competitive bid process. This is 25 times the amount of money that the federal government's ever given to that organization. And so this is something that people are, are very rightly concerned about and skeptical of and and like i like i say this this is the revolving door this is what people fear about the revolving door
0: yeah it really does scare people you watch this every day and there was a moment and i and i'll give some credit to the obama administration there was some more transparency that obama administration gave us but joe biden seems to have taken this to a new level of blockading information just basic things uh and the ethics waivers, basically, if they see if they want to do something, all they do now is they just dole out ethics waivers. They're on a record pace, right, for ethics waivers. They're pacing way ahead of the Trump administration, aren't they?
3: It appears so, John. We've been tracking ethics waivers and they appear ready to pass the Trump administration here pretty in the not too distant future, it looks like if Uh, And we're discovering more all the time, and we're discovering them in places that we didn't even realize. Uh, We sent FOIA requests to several different agencies looking for waivers, some that we were aware of before from other information that we'd received and others that that we weren't. And, uh, for instance, we got some information back from the HHS. Uh, We knew about a waiver that had been granted to Secretary Becerra, but we didn't know about the two waivers that were given to his former colleagues who worked with him at the, the attorney general's office in California. And then also then came to HHS. They received similar waivers to the one that, that he did regarding matters that involved the, the state of California. Uh, in addition, one of them, Sarah Levenheim, she also received, she is the head of the uh, public affairs at HHS. She received a waiver for the Washington Post, which is where her husband works. So this is kind of the 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 DC, I guess, revolving door or uh, the the ties between the 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 swamp, I guess you could call it. They're they're all over the place, and we're discovering them just about every day.
0: It is unreal. It's just remarkable. And you know, this is a man, the president, who's been in government for 45 and 50 years. So he knows how the system works. He knows how uh, the backdoor, the earmarking all goes on. And he's really brought all of the things that we thought we stamped out of government earmarks, um, uh, secret deals with nonprofits and settlements. Uh, and, and he's brought them all back in full force and then taken visibility away from us. I and mean, I think that's a fair, a factual analysis of what you've been able to um, uh, expose in your first year at Protect the Public's Trust. It's really remarkable. Uh, we're going to stay on these stories. We've got some stuff coming up over the holiday week and Fourth of July. We're going to do some fun things uh, dialing into this, so even in greater detail. But Michael, tell us how people can stay connected with all the good work that you're doing at Protect the Public's Trust. It really is an impressive uh, body of work you're doing.
3: Well, our, our website is protectpublicstrust.org. They can follow us on Twitter at Publix Trust. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Pu- Protect Public's Trust, and we also have a, a whistleblower hotline, Protect Public's Trust Tips at protonmail.com, where we can take whistleblower tips and look into to some of the the things that are going on in, in government that that the public needs to know about. Uh, they can follow us those ways, and whenever we're on your radio show, John, it's always a pleasure. They can we welcome them listening here and all the time listening to. Uh, to
0: the John Solomon podcast. I'll tell you, Michael, what you do is such important work. And uh, if we didn't have what uh, Protect the Public Health Trust has been doing, what you do personally every day, and I know this is a lot of work. This is not easy work to do. They make it hard to challenge everything. They make it hard to find every fact that you're trying to dig up for the American people. We wouldn't have transparency. This is an amazing, amazing organization you've created. And you look at your impact in just the first year, uh, you've really... Defended the taxpayers' interest, the American public's interest in a way I haven't seen in a very long time. So, my hat's off to you, and uh, we're going to get you back on the show. I'd want to try to get you on once a month because I think you're doing such important work.
3: Well, love to do it, John. It's always a pleasure being on with
0: you. Well, thanks again. And we're going to be following all those stories closely over the next few days. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, thanks for listening to us. Really excited to have with us today, Michael Chamberlain, the head and founder of Protect the Public's Trust. They're doing some great work in the space today. In addition... We are thankful always for Mark Morgan. He calls it like he sees it. He's an old-fashioned lawman. He just cares about the law and the safety and security of this country. And you heard what he said about the threats that are coming across the border, that maybe the leader of the next terrorist attack has already entered this country from a foreign, unfriendly nation. A scary thing to really think about in that scene. So... A great show today. I want to thank you for joining us. We've got a great TV show tonight. Congressman Ralph Norman's going to be joining us. That is going to be a lot of fun, so check that out. We also have the great comedian. I, I love him. He makes me laugh every time. Michael Loftus is on. He has a new song about the disinformation office. Oh, my God. Bring a box of tissues. You know, you're not going to cry. You're going to be laughing with tears. So you ought to really catch that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, hey, before we go, I always like to... Shout out our great partners in this space. but We have such great strategic partners, advertisers, sponsors. I've got one, and it's close to my heart because I've turned 50, and this is a real dynamic for me. I get home at night from a long day's work, and I don't want to exercise anymore. I'm too tired. I'm losing my energy, and I was thinking, what's wrong with me? And then I found out, you know what? It's not really my fault. As we get older, particularly us men, our body naturally loses free testosterone. We call that the man hormone, you know what it is. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic, active. Weekends, I also feel like I sap out quickly when I'm doing the weekend warrior thing in the yard. If you wanna counter this, if you wanna do what I'm doing to get that energy back well, we've got the perfect solution. Our friends at Nugenics have the ultimate solution. It's called Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofin. It will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts and get you better results at the gym and help you look and feel better like the man you really wanna be. It is an amazing product. I've been taking it now and energy levels are up, stamina levels are up. When I'm out in the yard working, I didn't have to take as many breaks. I didn't get winded as easy. I felt that energy in every part of my life and I think that's really great. And the folks at Eugenics have a very special offer. If you wanna say, listen, I'm tired of feeling out of energy like i'm in park when i want to be in drive well i have the perfect solution for you and so does nugenics they have a very special offer for you and for us here at just the news and john solomon reports and that's what i'm so grateful about so you can get the complimentary bottle of nugenics total tea when you text the word solomon my last name s-o-l-o-m-o-n to 231231. It's very simple to remember. Text my last name, Solomon, to 231231. You're going to get a free bottle of Nugenix Total Tea and you're going to get a bottle of Nugenix Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever made with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Guys, if you're at my age and you're getting frustrated, the weight's staying on, the energy's going down, Nugenix has the total package here. Try it out. You will not be disappointed. It really works. My wife has noticed it instantly that I just got that extra drive and that extra motivation, that extra energy to go out and do the things I used to do that didn't take so much effort. So one more time, all you got to do is text the word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N to 231-231. You're going to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. That's the testosterone supplement. It's going to get you back in shape. And then they're also going to give you a bottle of Nugenics Thermo their most powerful fat incinerator. You're going to burn up some of the calories, burn up some of the fat while you're getting your energy back, guys. This is worth doing. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Bless you. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. In the meantime, if you need to stay up on all the news like we kept you up last night, all the primary elections, Justin News had all those... News alerts going. We had you up on every one of the big wins. Well, check news.com anytime you want. You'll get your news fix day or night, 24-7. We got you covered. All right, good night. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States as he always has. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike.